Jesus. We just thank you, Father, for your sweet presence tonight. Thank you, Jesus. We just pray that you just speak through us. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say, Father, we just release it to you, Jesus. And we just say, God, would you have your way tonight? I know this, we say that every night, typically, but really, Jesus, have your way. We love you, God, and we bless you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So glad you're here. Welcome to Dwelling. So fun. Happy we could join you guys. My name is Ethan. I'm part of Circuit Riders. Um, so Circuit Riders is just a missions organization based out of California. And our whole purpose is to just go and uh, minister to Gen Z and Gen Alpha. And so um, whether it be on college campuses, high schools, you name it, like we're usually there. And so you guys are familiar with Circuit Riders, I'm assuming, because, you know, Asbury. If you're not familiar, like circuit riders of old, they are part of the Methodist movement. They actually used to ride circuits around America, preaching the gospel in small towns, abolishing slavery, like all these crazy things. It was wild. And so just in that tradition, we had a couple words, but we felt like God was calling us to ride circuits again. And one of the words that we heard was uh, the circuit riders of old will ride again. Um, and so that's part of the mandate that we've taken up as like riding circuits around America and really around the world at this point. Um, our team, raise your hand if you're a circuit rider in the room. Ooh, hey, come on. But um, I'll put this down. I want to cry, but I won't. It's okay. God is so good, amen. Um, yeah, it's just so, it's been such a blessing being here. Um, let me finish what I was saying, though. Um, so there's about 22 different teams of us um, traveling across America, Europe, Africa, Australia, and New Zealand and uh, all hitting um, college campuses in those areas and um, preaching gospel. And um, it's been crazy. Um, just in Kentucky, um, like a couple days ago, we went to uh, Western Kentucky. Anybody from Bowling Green? Any? No? Anybody been to Bowling Green? Let's go. They literally were like, why do you come to Bowling Green? I was like, I don't know. There's a college campus out here, I guess. <laughs> They're like, nothing's out here. I'm like, you guys are here, I guess. <laughs> so I guess I'm here. And so it was so crazy, but... Basically, we had a gathering of, like, um, about 240. It was crazy. And uh, we're just so blessed. Like, God totally moved. But the craziest things is that um, a lot of the people that came were part of frats, sororities, all these crazy different things. And um, we actually saw, like, 30 salvations, which is so wild. And, you know, like, you're in a full room. Oh, you could give God praise. It's awesome. So 30 salvations. This is your state, not mine. This is your state. <laughs> um, and so God's obviously moving. But, like, imagine this whole room just packed out with, like, young people. And then you see, like, 30, 40 hands go up. And so, for me, I was kind of like, oh, are you lying? Like, did you not understand the altar call? Like, you know, like, well, this is not prayer for, like, your mom, you know. It's like, you want to be saved. <laughs> so, but, like, literally, like, we had crazy testimonies of people just DMing, texting um, our student hosts and being like, you do not understand what this did to change my life. Um, and literally just, like, super crazy, like, what God was pouring out. Um, over there, and just like obviously, everybody knows about Asbury Revival, all these different things. But we didn't come here for Asbury Revival, we really came here for you guys. Um, and we didn't come just to like see the campus and be like, wow, like revival I mean, is so cool, like the anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really cool. Travis was taking us around and just showing us like the revival history, and it's just so rich here. It's so rich what God has done throughout the years and like hundreds and hundreds of years. like me and the boys over here, we were just, like, following Travis around. It was, a, it was the best time of our lives. We were just kind of, like, in the back of the Prius, just like, whoa. And he's like, this is where the Woolmore Camp Revival happened. And we're like, whoa. <laughs> it's, like, so cool. But obviously, um, in the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. So if he's done it before, he can do it again. Amen. And so it's just so fun. And it's just a testament to what God's doing across the nation. And so just to stir your faith a little bit, um, we're doing a tour right now. We've been on the road for about four weeks. We're on for another four weeks, but um, we're hitting 19 different college campuses. Hitting, it sounds like so weird. We're going to uh, 19 different college campuses, and we're going, and we're having crazy gatherings and catalyzing students. One of our main mission is to see an evangelistic movement across every college campus. And so whether there are campus ministries, we as a ministry are just more like a Barnabas, you know, you know, story in uh, Acts where Barnabas is like, hey, Church of Antioch, y'all are doing great. Let me go get Paul. What? 
know, <laughs> so then the church like blew up. It was crazy. Now, well, people came, not blew up. I'm trying to change my language. It's like kind of, but um, <laughs> basically, basically, just people started coming, and it was crazy. And revival started happening in that church. And so our purpose is to serve not only the church and the body um, in certain cities, but also to serve the college students, the college ministries. And so um, basically, we have a couple more gatherings is happening. It's kind of wild. Um, but all that being said, that's who we are. Uh, so Circuit Riders is who we are. Carry the Love is what we do. So it's our tour that I just told you about. Um, and honestly, we're just so happy to be here. Thank you guys for having us. Like, honestly, it's just a special place. I've met a couple of you guys earlier. And, like, listen, Travis, and his family is crazy. His family is crazy. And so, like, I felt so blessed. He's like, hey, man, like, whatever you need, like, anything. No, like, anything. And so, oh, no. Bless the child in Jesus' name. Okay, so anyway, so we're going to dive in. Um, I felt a couple of things for tonight, just maybe a short message. Um, but really, I would love to share some testimonies um, for what we've seen so far. And then also, we have a skit for little kids. So this is super fun. So Persis, come. Come, Persis. Everybody give it up for Persis. All right, Persis. So... This is what you're going to do. You're just going to introduce yourself. You're going to tell them your favorite color and what God has done in your life recently. Hello. Is this on? Oh, okay. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Persis. I am from Kansas, but I am originally from Kenya. I was born there. Then we all moved to Kansas. Yay, Kansas. And Kenya, woo! Um, so I'm like right in the middle of the heart of America, which is fun. Um, my favorite color is terracotta. I don't know, like, raise your hand if you ever heard of that color. Okay, a lot of, because usually when I say that, like, people are like, what is that? Terracotta? But yeah, so my favorite color is terracotta. Um, it's like a, like a rustic orange, like, like, yeah, like, like picture like clay pot. That's pretty much, that's terracotta, yeah. <laughs> um, so, man, it's been such an amazing time. We've been on tour for, like, four weeks. Now we're just about, like, halfway. And God has moved in the most insane ways. Um, I've just, I've seen him heal people. I've, I've witnessed him just, like, move in people's hearts and the, uh, the salvations that Ethan was talking about earlier. Um, that we've just, like, I think the... The number one thing that I've seen, especially here in the South, is, like, um, like we're in the Bible Belt. So, like, technically, like, whenever we've been evangelizing, we ask, hey, do you know Jesus? And the students are like, yeah. You know, so they, they have this label of Christianity, but it's like they know him, but they don't know him. And I think I've just really seen God move in that area of, of what it means to actually have a relationship with Jesus and not just know the God, but to really, really know him, to talk to him, to speak to him. So just, like, having God use me to just, like, preach the gospel and move on the hearts of people, of having a closer relationship with him. And that's what he just, like, spoke to me over over me, like, before tour, actually, was that um, he would, I would be used as an instrument to, like, really move on um, relationship versus religion. So it's really cool that um, he placed me on this tour team because um, that's the, honestly, the, the most insane thing that I've seen is just like people really getting to know him and not just know of him. So yeah, praise God. <laughs> I, I forgot, I do have a really quick announcement. So because Abby and Gabriel are going on Tuesday to Mexico, right? to see the penners. Um, I thought it'd be a good chance if you guys can fit it in your luggage for some of us to make cards, especially the kids maybe during the teaching time. Um, but I've got more paper. I think, don't you all have pens and, and stuff in your bags, Zion? Do you guys have colors and stuff in your bags? Okay. So they've got like markers and crayons and stuff. And um, maybe you all could make some especially for the kids, like for Samuel and for Phineas and for Zadok just encouraging them and telling them that we miss them and that we're praying for them. Um, adults are also welcome to make cards, though. Um, they are still there, and it looks like it may be a while. And, you know, it's as you all know, it's a journey. So 
Um, I've got the paper. I'm just going to put it in the back on that podium. And then you guys can, if you want to find other stuff to color with or just write with, you can. Um, but I thought especially the kids. Thank you. Working on that. I wanted to come alongside Karis and just <coughs> say amen to blessing the pinners. Um, they are such a precious part of our family. And the season that they're in, um, every little prayer, every little encouragement is like silver or gold, okay? So um, remember them, and I encourage you, um, I bless you to express your remembrance, okay? Um, this body is so locked in to the vertical connection to God. And that's always been our number one heart. And we rec recognize that horizontal love, we can't really give the real thing without that connection. I see God growing us in horizontal expression. And I see an opportunity for growth and practice of that with the penners, whether that's writing something on here, sending a text, an audio message. Every bit of cold water we can offer them um, matters a lot. So we love the penners, and let's uh, love them in deed and not only in word. Also, this isn't as special as that, but I forgot to mention, if you're new here, the bathroom <laughs> is right through there. So if y'all need to use it, it's just right through there. Uh, you'll see it when you turn down, turn left down the hallway. All right, I think that's it now. Come on, give it up for Travis and Kiss. Hallelujah. Okay, come on, give it up. Praise God. It's a couple. I see them, I'm like, I want to be like that when I'm married. It's like a tag team. They're like a duo. I'm like, but there's a lot of duos in this church that I've seen. They're really awesome. So anyway, just saying you guys got the best of the best, but we'll skip past that. But okay, I have a super short message, hopefully. You know, pastors or speakers, they always say it's super short, and that's like, okay, 45 minutes. Um, but I um, was kind of praying into what God wanted me to share at Asbury, and he brought me to a message that was on my heart before. And um, I kind of just want to place through it and then maybe give you guys some practicals on how to apply it, if that's okay. Um, but first, I'm going to pray, if that's okay. Can we pray? Hallelujah. Jesus, help us. Amen. Amen. It's a simple prayer. I pray every time. <laughs> but we just honor Jesus. Thank you, God. Um, but basically, I want to skip everything I would normally say. I just want to jump straight in. And I feel like the premise and, like, especially what I see on the land, I see what's happening in this church with the people that's going on. I see a lot of vulnerability and honesty being the grounds on how you build up your church and also build relationship with each other. So can we say vulnerability and honesty? So I'll turn to your neighbor. I'll say, hey, neighbor. I probably know you already. But if, but if I don't, hello. I just want to say... I'm going to be vulnerable tonight, and that's okay. <laughs> okay, so fun, so fun. So basically, if you're like me, you might be curious about a lot of things, and you may have a friend that's been there for you maybe like a couple years into your life, maybe when you're like 20 or like for me, ever since I was born, and that friend can look up any single thing at any time he wants to. And it's not God. Google. Google has been good to me, okay? And so, <laughs> like, literally 13 billion results in, like, 0 0.5 seconds. Like, I was endlessly scrolling on Google. I'm like, you can't, I'm trying to do WebMD, and I can't figure out what's going on. I'm still scrolling. You know what I'm saying? And so, it's just so fun. But it's like, isn't it crazy in a world that information can come in seconds? Why does it feel like we can never really get answers to the questions that we really have? Right? And so it's kind of crazy, like, all these different, like, questions that we have. And, like, for me, it's kind of like I can explain to you, like, why the sky is blue, conspiracy theories on airborne governmental, like, spies, doves, 
pigeons, you know. I'm not, I promise I'm not, I'm not controversial. I just thought it was funny. You know, I could talk about all these stuff. You could look at all these stuff on Google, but I can never tell you and understand why I struggled with so much insecurity growing up. Like, why I didn't feel confident in myself. Why I felt like I tried, bro, look, at, look that up on Google. Why do I feel insecure? It's like, okay, 10 psychological reasons why you're depressed. It's like, number one, like, stop. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Number two, like, work out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and like, I do both of those things. And so it's just kind of funny how like it kind of works, but it's like real questions, right? Like why was I rejected by everyone I grew up in like until like 18? And then when I even knew everyone around me and I knew everybody loved me, I still felt isolated and alone. And so like these are real questions I kind of passed through our mind. And am I the only one that had these thoughts like growing up as a kid? No? Okay. So praise God, I'm normal. I grew up homeschooled, so <laughs> Come on. But this is what God was telling you. I was like, God started bringing up all this baggage and all this pain, all this craziness. And um, he was like, hey, I'm like, bro, like, whoa, chill. Like, I'm past that. Like, I'm 24. Like, it's okay. We don't need to deal with all that. But he was like, Ethan, he was like, my son. You know, when he pulls out that son daughter, he's like, it gets serious. He's like, Ethan, my son. I'm like, oh, okay. But he's like, if we don't deal with the root, right? If we don't pull the root, we'll never be able to walk in the fullness that I have for you. And so first thing I was noticing is he's saying there's something about a root, that something is in there. Second thing I was noticing, he's saying we. So he's saying we won't, we won't do this alone. You won't do this alone. I'll walk with you. But we have to go deep to really uncover why all this is coming out. And so he is saying like, you weren't looking for answers. You weren't looking for um, to all the questions that you had. You were really looking for relief. And is wanting relief like wrong? Like, no, who wouldn't want to be relieved, you know? Like when you got a splinter in your finger, like, bro, get that out of me. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just crazy. But while in like a moment in a moment of like ease, when we're looking for just like a moment of momentary ease, God is looking for outright liberation in our hearts. And so we can supplement the pain all of our lives, but really at the end of the day, that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to supplement your pain and not go to Jesus for the true breakthrough that he really brings and the true power that's in the cross. Amen? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. So I'm not going to say anything crazy. You probably know everything I'm about to say. But I'm just a stranger, so it's more powerful, apparently. <laughs> so It's so fun. But I just want to say, like, all we, all we really desire as a church and as a body is we really desire freedom, and the cross proves it. And so I'm just talking to you and say, turn to your neighbor one more time, find that same neighbor. If you don't have a neighbor, find a neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, and say, the truth will set you free. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. So the scriptures, they have some crazy promises, right? So it Crazy stuff, like you'll live forever, you know, John 3.16, classic. You know, the sky's splitting open, Jesus physically coming down to be back with us again. You know, that's in Revelations. He'll meet all of our needs, Philippians, living a long life. If you honor your parents. <laughs> Ephesians, come on. Come on, in silence. <laughs> it was a silence. It was like. <laughs> but like, so, well, I like family, you know. Everybody say family. So I love being family. And so I like to do public polls. So how many of you like telling God, like, everything? Okay, like, or like what I like to call holy venting. Okay, <laughs> and so let me explain. This way. Okay, so this is so funny. I was in Atlanta for a conference, and I was just like hanging around, and I swear everything was going wrong. And I was like, God, why did this guy have to cut me off in the middle of the road? This was crazy. Don't you know I'm on the way to serve your people? <laughs> like, <laughs> like all these different things. And it's like it was like kind of like I don't know I don't I don't watch this but my friends quote it all the time like the Kardashians like P Kim people are dying like calm down God was like hey bro like I'm dealing with like some other stuff on the other side of the world like I think you're okay <laughs> you know what I'm saying and so it's kind of funny but it's like these moments of like frustration and pain that can like really pile on top of each other right isn't it crazy how you can go from waking up in the morning to like spilling your coffee all over yourself to like then having to change your shirt. Then you go and then somebody's cussing at you for no reason. You're like, I just pulled out in the middle road. Like, and then this is literally happening. Some, okay. Sorry. I'm like, I have ADD sometimes, but last time I'm from North Carolina originally. Any North Carolinians in the room? Hey, where from? Where from? Hi, boy. I'm from Raleigh. Yeah, let's go. Family, bro. Okay. So, but this never happens to me. I don't know if this is happening in Kentucky, 
But last time I was home, nothing happened. Like, it was, everything was, like, super calm, super chill. But this time when I go home, I had, like, 10 people honk at me. I was like, bro, I'm in the South. Like, you at least give 30 seconds, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, it's kind of wild. And it's like all these little things will start to pile on top of each other. And then it's kind of crazy, but it's those subtle things that will steal our intimacy with God. Right? And so while we believe the promises that we listed before are, like, really true, but isn't it so easy to get weighed down by life's cares, life's defeats, past hurts, hopelessness, and areas of sin? See, the essence of salvation is freedom. Freedom is about being released to love and serve Jesus wholeheartedly. Freedom isn't a separate part of the gospel, but it's actually the very essence of the reason Jesus came to die. It's the very heart of the gospel message. And freedom is what Jesus gave us through his death and resurrection on the cross. And so the question is, how many of us want to be free? Raise your hand. If you want to be free, there's a cost that you have to pay. That's interesting. Jesus paid the cost. What does that make sense? It's like, are you willing to give yourself to understanding his perspective about your own struggles in your life? And so whether you've grown up around Jesus or grew up in the church, it's crazy how we can be around Jesus our whole lives and still completely miss him. Why am I saying that? Simon Peter, Matthew 16, he said, you're the Messiah, Son of the Most High. All these different things. See, like, it says, blessed are you, Simon. You understand it. He was basically saying, you get it. I'll read the scripture. He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by the flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. See, everyone missed him. Everybody's like, the disciples came to him. They're like, oh, like, they say you're this. They say you're that. He's like, who do you say I am? And this is Simon speaking through the Holy Spirit. He's saying, you are the Messiah. And so I wonder, though, if we're not so different. Because... I read the Gospels, and I see that everyone's missing him. Like, this man was prophesied, like, for books, 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 years, years. And, like, everybody missed him. Like, it was crazy. And so sometimes I wonder, like, am I missing it? Am I just using Jesus just like everyone else? Jesus, the forgiver. Jesus, the future planner. Jesus, the promise keeper. Light in the darkness. Come on. But, like, I wonder if we're not so comfortable with Jesus as we think. So, Reading on, it says, from that time, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go from Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and said, never, Lord. There he is. Never, Lord. This shall never happen. Get behind me, Satan. Get out of my life. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. But I wonder if we're not so different from Peter. I used to ask myself this, do I only go to church for community? Do I only go to church to be alone? Do I only repent so I don't feel bad about my sins? And I cry out to God, I'm like, please help me grow, take away anything that's not of you. And then he takes it away, I'm like, huh? Like, what? No, dude, please, not that one, you know what I'm saying? And so it's all these different things. But the thing is, Jesus is and has always been countercultural. And so the Jews wanted a king that would overstore the Romans, right, uh, that would reign on a physical throne. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. The crowds would come seeking, hear him speak, seeing salvations, healings, all these different things, seeking freedom from tormenting demons. But when Jesus was accused by the Pharisees, there wasn't a single person there with him. And they yelled, crucify him, crucify him. See, the crowds loved Jesus as long as he gave them what they wanted. So just as quickly as Peter was praised, he was quickly reprimanded and used by Satan, aided by his fallen nature. It's crazy. Happened to us in a moment. But despite this, in his grace, Jesus actually used the moment to reveal how to actually follow Jesus' ministry. Denying yourself daily. Amen. So, see, the thing is, Sometimes I think we love a miracle-working Jesus without the cross. Sometimes I think we love a Christianity without suffering. Sometimes we love a Christianity without self-denial. We love a Christianity that's about fulfilling our dreams and just fulfilling the words on our lives. But at the end of the day, 
how many of our questions, how many of our concerns are just fueled by our human desire? These are questions I still struggle with to this day. So how many of our cries of relief are actually just cries, Jesus, would you set me free? Come on, does anyone have any thoughts plaguing them tonight? Because the thing is, the thing that's more satisfying than relief is outright liberation. And the cross proves it. And so I just want to take a couple more seconds. Are we good? Amen. So a couple more seconds. I want to talk about six ways the cross invites us into freedom. Okay, everybody say number one. Hallelujah. The cross frees us from slavery to sin and to live righteous. Okay, we hear sin all the time, but what is sin, okay? Um, I can't say the Greek right now because I kind of forgot how to say it in Greek. But we have some scholars in here, so maybe someone can help me. But um, it's like harmatado. There it is, harmatia. Hallelujah. And it's described as missing the mark. Am I correct? Missing the mark. Okay, praise God. <sighs> okay, I'm not a heretic yet. Okay, anyway, <laughs> and so it's a violation of God's nature and his character. Okay, perfect love, rich in mercy, abounding in love, all these different things, just, righteous, holy, true. In just case, those are just a few. First John 3, 4 says, sin is lawlessness. But what does that mean? When we, fa- when we fail to be just, when we fail to tell the truth, when we fail to do all these different things, we sin. And so that's the, that's the category of it. We rebel against everything who God is. We rebel against everything that he stands for. Sin, however, can't just be lumped together with all the wrong things that we do, but actually has to be referred to as a wrong heart towards God. Okay? And so, basically, sin is just bad. It's everything that separates you from God. And kind of how I describe it is this. If when sin happened, Adam and Eve, sin entered and split us between God. So we were here, God was here. Jesus came through the cross and built a bridge. That's why he said we can go through him to get to God. And so there's a distance between man and God. And sin is everything that separates you from who he is. Amen. And so I'm going to cruise on here. My phone keeps messing around, but I bind you phone in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And so basically all of us were a slave to sin. We all know this stuff. But what, let me ask you this. See, the devil would love to keep you from hating your sin. He'd love to keep you and give you a false sense of control, which is interpreted to us as freedom while secretly driving you to death. That's what it means we were enslaved to our sin. But no longer are we enslaved, but we're free in Christ Jesus. But let me ask you this question. What's covertly trying to enslave you tonight? But there's hope. Hallelujah. See, Jesus has always been the only solution. He is fully God, fully man, came down to earth, came to take our place, take upon our sin on his back to create the bridge that I was talking about that actually connects us to the heart of God, that actually connects us to his presence. Buried for three days, risen again, risen Lord, conquered sin, death, hell, and grave, all these different things that we know. And it's, the Bible says, it says, but now you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification, and its end is eternal life. Did you know that John 17.3 actually describes the same thing? Jesus says, it's so crazy. He said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, God. Crazy. Makes John 3.16 completely flip. I thought it was just going to heaven one day. But it's actually just to know God. Come on. So, basically, what I'm trying to say is, it's kind of interesting because, like, the wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is what? I don't think anybody really wants to die. Like, come on. Let's be real. And so, like, if, like, I'm falling, I'm, like, literally, like, no, no. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody truly, like, wants to, like, die. But at the end of the day, it's, like, when, when you're living your life, let me ask you this. When your life is at its highest, like you're living the best time of life, like picture whatever that is to you. Like when life is just great, are you really like truly thinking about death at that moment? No. And so like why, why in the world, where, where would those thoughts come from? Where would that come from? But it's really giving into our desires for momentary relief 
is not a solution for us. Because the devil is trying to trick us. Amen? And so relief isn't peace. This is what peace is. Jesus said, John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Our relationship with God is the only constant solution to all of our problems and all of our sin. Amen? Okay. Everybody say number two. I'm going to start blazing through these real quick. Okay. The cross frees us from rulers and principalities. Okay, Colossians 2, it says, By canceling the record of death that stood against us with his legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. It, like, literally, like, the devil's like a chicken with his head cut off. Like, literally just flailing around, just kind of doing his thing. And just trying to, but Jesus already won. Amen? And so, that's the crazy part. Nothing's free, but Jesus already paid it. And so the freedom that we're desiring is already bought by the cross. All we have to do is actually reach out to God and say, God, let me attain it. Amen? And so the counterfeit, though, of freedom is control. Matthew 6, one cannot serve two masters. The battle of life isn't just a battle against sin. It's a battle of authority. The enemy has one very powerful tactic. He's trying to get you to believe lies about your life. Getting to believe lies about who he's made you to be or who God made you to be and gets you to believe lies that actually aren't true about your identity. That's what he's been trying to do this whole time. But the Bible says, for though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power in destroying strongholds. And we destroy arguments and every lofty thought raised against the knowledge of God. Take every thought captive and obey Christ. What is a stronghold, Right? And the Greek is translated topos, a place. And the strongholds aren't built overnight. It's a strategic military encampment. So what's the enemy trying to do to you, right? This is an analogy. Who drives your car, right? And so basically, there's an analogy like we're driving the car, we're in the car, but like we have the keys of the car, but, okay, let me ask this. Um, Brother, what's your name? Connor. Okay, Connor. Um, You have your own car, right? And the deed is in, the title is in what? Your name. But I don't need your title of the car to drive your car, do I? What do I need? The keys. So even though I have the keys, I can drive the car, but it's not owned by me, right? It's the same way with our own lives. We can be owned by God, but we can actually give the enemy access in our lives. Well, you, have you heard the, heard the term open doors? You're giving the enemy open door? It's the same thing. You're giving him access into your life to take you for a ride. When in actuality, God actually owns you. And he's like, would you give me the keys and I'll drive you wherever you want. That's what the enemy's lies do in our lives. Because if we allow lies to go unchecked in our lives, we give access to the enemy. And then he deletes all of our data. He uses all of our money. And he kills, he steals, and he destroys. And that's why Paul says to renew our minds daily. Jesus came to disarm all false power. And if the Son sets you free, you shall be free. Amen. Come on. Let's go. Blazing, blazing. I'm like watching the time. I'm like, I want to get these people out at seven. Oh, okay. Everybody say number three. Okay. God, the cross frees us to bring us to God. This is one of my favorite ones. And so 1 Peter 3, it said, Christ also suffered once for sins, a righteousness for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. The gospel is good news. Amen? And so that being said, okay, Christianity has to be news first, not theology. Catch it. Because the goal is God himself. That's the whole point of why we do what we do. John Piper explains it this way. Salvation is not the good news if it only saves from hell and not for God. Forgiveness is not the good news if it only gives relief from guilt but doesn't open the way to God. Justification is not good news if it only makes us legally acceptable to God but doesn't bring us into fellowship with God. Redemption is not good news if it only liberates us from bondage but doesn't bring us to God. Adoption is not good news if it only puts us in the Father's family, but not in his arms. Isn't it wild how easy it is for people to embrace the good news without embracing God himself? It doesn't take a new heart to psychologically want forgiveness to be burdened, released from the burden of guilt, or the removal of God's wrath on our lives, or the inheritance of God's world. 
Amen. But all these things are understandable without any spiritual change. You don't need these things. You don't have to be born again to want these things. Even the devil wants them. The demons want them. But the evidence that we've been changed is that we want these things because they bring us to enjoyment with God. People talk about rest. This is a sub note. This is me. I love pickleball, okay? I love it. I love it. I don't know what happened. I went out there one day. Some old lady started schooling me, and then she was like, just keep coming out. I'm like, okay. All right, Karen. I'm going to keep coming out. And then all of a sudden, I was just like hanging around, and I just started loving the game. It was so fun to me. And basically, whenever I get pent up and I get stressed because I'm doing all this stuff, I'm playing all these things, God literally speaks to me, and he's like, hey, let's go to play pickleball. I'm like, huh? You're not, like, physical. You're going to come back? You're like, what's going on? <laughs> and he's like, no, like, let's go. Let's go hang out. Like, let's go do something. And so, like, literally what's happening is God is bringing me enjoyment with God, with him, communion with him through a desire of my own heart that he's actually placed inside of me. What's that for you guys? What's God saying? What is he calling you to? It doesn't have to be, like, a super religious thing. And that's not religious to want to do something like that. If your thing is sewing, if your thing is motorcycle grind, I don't know. Anyway, you get the point, right? Okay, praise God. Okay, so anyway, moving on. Okay, so I don't know why I felt like sharing that, but I do love pickleball. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> but why, why is this the center of the good news, okay? So it's because we were made to experience the fullness of joy and happiness and from seeing and believing and being in the glory of God. Amen. But if our best joy comes from something less, we're idolaters, and God is dishonored. Because he created us in a way that his glory is displayed through our joy in it, through our joy in it. Okay. And so God restored relationships so we, so we can have freedom through the cross, and it's time to turn from selfish passions and all these different things and come experience the fullness of joy that's found in Jesus. Amen. And so everybody say number four. Blazing. I got that. Four, four minutes. Let's go. Hallelujah. Okay. Jeremiah 32. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them and that, that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear into their hearts so they will not depart from me. The cross frees us so that we might belong to him. Interesting, huh? To bring us to God, but then to belong to him. See, when you come into salvation, you don't come into, like, a wishy-washy, like, type of relationship, right? Jesus isn't a half-hearted type of dude. Amen? We agree with that? And so the suffering of the cross and the death of Jesus guarantees not just your forgiveness of sin, but a relationship that leads to inner life change. Okay? The real question isn't, like, who you are as much as it is whose you are. And so there's no autonomy in the world. And so the Bible makes it super clear. It's super clear. It's using the term slaves to sin, meaning you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Amen. And so John Piper says it this way. If you can't tell, I like him. He's really awesome. And so he says it this way. The freedom of fruit bearing replaces the bondage of the law. I'll read it again. The freedom of fruit bearing replaces the bondage of the law. The death of Jesus becomes death to the old man, relationship with the living king replaces laws. And so, see, Jesus wants to meet you in the early morning, hallelujah, and the late nights. And he wants to meet you in the word. He wants to meet you in worship. He wants to meet you in prayer. Look at the prayer of Jesus. The cross is his seal of love for you. An invitation into a life-changing relationship with him. Look at Jesus' prayer in John 17. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Let me set a scene. You're on the way, single woman, single woman of God, you're on the way to meet a cute man of God. I guess it's really a micro over here. I think everybody's like mainly married. But you're on the way, meet, meet a cute man of God, right? And so he's awesome, all these different things. Hallelujah. Come on, where are the praying moms at? We need some praying moms in this building. <laughs> Come on. But, okay. <laughs> so imagine you only get, so single, whatever, you only get one hour to spend with this person, right? 
like about a week because you both are so busy, your schedules conflict, but you love each other. You love each other. So you, just, you decide to make time for each other, right? And so you only have one hour. How would you feel if this man came there and he just dumped on you for an hour? You would not believe what happened at work. And it's like, you're like, uh-huh. Oh, wow, really? Oh, dang. Oh, wow. No. Really? Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, I got to go. I'm like, oh, okay. Would you, would you go on another date? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But the thing is, okay, it's like, that's not a relationship, right? Because a relationship isn't just me talking. Like this, we're doing this right now. Obviously, you guys are awesome. You're receiving from me. You're listening. That's cool. But this isn't a relationship. This is not a relationship. For this to be a relationship, I have to speak to you, ask you questions. What's on your heart? What's on your mind? What are you believing for for Wilmore? What are you believing for for in Kentucky? And then you have a chance and an opportunity to speak back to me. And then in this place, we start to build this relationship of mutual friendship. And that actually begins to expand what we, into what we call a friendship. It's not just a relationship. It's a friendship. And so basically all these different ways. Jesus wants a personal relationship with every single one of us. He wants to speak with us. He wants to guide us. He wants to lead us. I believe that everyone in this room believes that. Right? But at the end of the day, it's like Jesus is saying, I don't want a casual type of relationship with you. I don't want a once a week type of relationship. I don't want a three times a week type of relationship. I want it all. Paul says, pray without ceasing. I was like, Paul, how, how are you doing that? Like, I'm like, is he like walking around like, Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah. I'm like, I love Jesus. Like every single day. And he's like talking to someone. He's like, hey, Josh, like, how you doing? Jesus, I love you. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, how are you doing that? But I'm starting to get it. It's like Paul is constantly in communication and relationship with God. And I find myself, the deeper I fall in love with the word, the deeper I fall in love with Jesus, the more I find myself asking him questions. I'm like, hey, like, oh, what are you saying about Josh? Oh, Jesus, what, how do people design this? And I'm asking him, like, random stuff. I'm like, why do you make me sing? Like, why am I even up here? Like, Travis should be up here. Why am I up here? I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? But I start asking these things, and I start waiting, and he starts speaking back. And it's a continual, it's a cycle. And it's actually a deep relationship. And this proof that you um, belong is that you're actively being changed by walking in relationship with him. Amen? And that leads to number five. Everybody say number five. I'm almost done. It's, the cross frees us to love like Jesus. Come on. And so this is so fun. So think about someone you love. Okay. Think about someone you love. Close your eyes real quick. Think about someone you love. Okay. So fun. Okay. Open your eyes. Now, we all know that saying, like, show, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. What does that mean? Okay. You become who you surround yourself with. But the thing is, it's like imitation isn't salvation. You don't get to get saved by copying Jesus. However, salvation begets imitation, right? The love that Jesus shows us wasn't a feelings-based type of love, though it was full of feeling. It was actually something based on something so much deeper. It's choice. Now, how many parents in the room? There's so many of you guys. You can raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Hallelujah. Give it up for the parents. Listen, man, I was a troubled child, but I was also the first child. So you guys know the first child is kind of a hassle. So that's what my mom tells me anyway. Uh, <laughs> but it takes real choice and decision to really choose to love your children. There's moments where you have crazy times. It's like, oh, no. Like, I remember when my sister broke one of my mom's favorite things. And I was like, she about to get a whooping. And then my mom looked at her. She goes, are you okay? <laughs> that was a mercy of God right there. <laughs> and so it's just so crazy. But it's a choice. It's love, right? Love is so much deeper. It's a higher type of love. It's not something that's based on your feelings, not something based on emotions. It's, a love, it's not a love that f- loves when it feels like it, right? It's a love that's willing to choose even if it means the pain, you know? The love of Jesus is self-giving, choice-driven, loyal, and committed to your life. And it's outward focused. Look at 1 Corinthians. We all know it. Love never gives up. Love cares for others more than itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love, this is a translation that says love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. doesn't force itself on others. Isn't me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of other people's sins. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going until the end. See, the essence of the cross is love. 
And love is the essence of the cross. And so when Jesus asks you to take up your cross, he's asking you to take up love. The sacrifice, the choice. Think about it. He's asking of you, you to take up this type of love for other people around you, the church around you. He's asking you to take it up for these Asbury students. One thing I love that Travis was talking about, how they used to do this, like, breakfast every Saturday for, like, students in the area. I was like, that is crazy because no one ever did that for me. I, I grew up my whole life looking and asking God, begging God, would you please send me a mentor? Would you please send me a father to actually show me how to live my life? And literally, you guys have, like, some crazy parents. Like, literally crazy. I talked to some of you guys. You're awesome. But, like, how many of these students actually need that type of love? Are you willing to take up your cross for Asbury? Come on. See, a lot, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but a lot of people on college campuses have adopted this principle, like, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, like, type of philosophy, instead of, like, really following the truth really following what Jesus said to do. Because at the end of the day, we all know, like, everybody's just quoting Jesus. Like, whenever everybody's like, love others, or like, love the world, or like, save the turtles, or save the planet, it's all stuff that steward the earth. Go subdue the earth. Like, literally, it's just all Bible. It's like people are just quoting the Bible. And so, so wild. But it's like, what would happen if we chose to love like that? Right? What would happen if we chose Jesus like, literally to break down everything in our lives that would hinder us from loving like that. To show us, like God, asking these questions, like audacious questions, like what in my life right now is hindering me from stepping into a greater capacity of loving other people? Come on. These are the questions he wants us to ask. I'm talking about being filled with a love that won't stop praying until we see breakthrough on the campus in a crazier way. I talked to some Asbury students, and I was asking them, like, all right, you guys, like, you don't need us. Like, bro, (laughs) like, you guys are having a blast, you know? (laughs) And I was like, what do you need? And they're like, honestly, we're, we're stoked. God came. God moved. But when I look around my campus and I look at my peers, I see a lot of people who, who love God but don't know who they are. Love God, but don't know who they are. And I, they said, I'm, I see people that are searching for identity. Do you guys resonate with that? And I believe that you in this room, the reason why we're here, just to encourage you guys, because I don't know, I'm just hanging around. You might not remember anything. But would you radically love in a way that brings identity into the hearts of God's children on this campus? Because I really believe that that's the breakthrough that looking, God's looking for here. A love that steps out. A love that invites unity. That changes the purpose of your life for others. The love, the cross frees you to love with this kind of love. That's on Calvary. Amen. All right, everybody say number six. Last one. <laughs> Come on, Don. Okay. The cross frees us to unleash the power of God in the gospel. Okay, so why is it, okay, this is a question I ask myself. Why is it that so many Christians nowadays do with their time as much as, like, morally upright non-Christians do? It's kind of crazy. Like, literally, people are okay with just being a good person. Like, there's no differentiation between being a good person and Christian nowadays. It's crazy. Like, the people that built, like, the first hospitals, the first schools, like, literally did, like, some of the craziest stuff. Now there's, like, I go on campuses, I'm like, hey, Christian, especially in the South, bro, it's so easy to be vaguely familiar with Jesus in the South and still, like, not know him. And so, like, literally, like, I'm like, hey, are you Christian? Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, what? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So it's so wild. But um, the reason why I say that is because there's a difference, and it's a list in 2 Timothy 3, and it defines in times of difficulty and it's crazy because there's none of it like this. And obviously, I obviously identify with this a little bit. But it says this. But understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulties where people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, 
lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. What is the power? Anybody heard the word dunamis before? And so this is my little study. I can get a fact check later. Please rebuke me if I'm wrong. But the word dunamis is translated not to like dynamite. There's no dynamite back then. Like maybe there was, I don't know. But it was ability. Ability. The power is through God's ability in you. Acts 1, 8. But we will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. See, the power of God comes from his cross. And the cross calls you to be a messenger. No matter where you are, no matter if you're working a nine to five, no matter if you're taking care of your kids, no matter if you're going to school still, no matter what we're doing on this earth, it calls us to be a messenger. 1 Corinthians 2.2. For I've resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The cross is the answer to this campus. The cross is the answer to all the identity problems that are happening. The cross is the answer to your kids, like identity, building a foundation on God, building a foundation for this nation, building a foundation for this church. It all goes back to the cross. Amen. And so why do I say this? Our lives are supposed to scream the gospel. And I'm so convicted recently that I'm like, I really ask God, I'm like, is my life really screaming your gospel? Is my life, like literally, my speech, our speech should be dripping with the gospel. Like every word we say, we should be carrying around with us everywhere we go. And it's like literally just the multiplication in Acts 2 was in the proclamation because the spirit came upon them in the upper room, but it wasn't until Peter opened his mouth and said, we are not drunk like you suppose, and began his crazy message on who Jesus truly was and the beauty of who he was, that they saw a rapid expansion of the church. The spirit came upon him, but it only multiplied when Peter preached his message. The gospel is the power of God. It's not about preaching, because if, 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 if the power was in the preaching, there would be no outcome. No salvations, no whatever. The outcome when God actually is placed in the forefront is always his will to be done. So this is the last question I have, and then I will kind of close. Um, how many of you guys are extroverted in the room? Raise your hand. Extroverted? Extroverted? If you're extroverted, raise your hand. Okay, if you're introverted, just this one activity, please raise your hand. Okay, okay. Now, extroverts, put your hand back up for the introverts. Put it high, put it high. Okay, so, like, literally it's, like, maybe, like, less than half the room. Maybe one-third of the room. Maybe half the room, I would say, because a lot of people over here. Okay, half the room was extroverted, half the room was introverted. How many people do you think were introverted in the upper room? There's probably a good bit. Because I know a lot of guys that ran away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But why do, I, why do I say that, right? This is Acts 4, okay? I'm going to put this away, and I'm going to teach you something. Um, Acts 4, 31. It says, and when they had prayed, and the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak. Jesus, bless that baby. Amen. That was a loud bump. Um, they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. How many of you are extroverted again? Raise your hand. Okay, so the other half of the room, the other half of you guys, is there really an excuse for us not to be bold? Because one sense was boldness a type of personality. Amen? And so what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that you have to go, all of a sudden, go extrovert mode. Believe it or not, I'm actually an introvert. Take that. (laughs) I don't like this at all, but God told me to, so here I am. (laughs) But the thing is, is that when I go home tonight, I am going to crash, and it's going to be amazing, and I'm going to want to read my word, and I'm not going to talk to anyone. (laughs) So, But maybe I have to talk to them. But I love you guys, just so you know. (laughs) But the thing is, is that I I don't do this. Like, Like, why am I here, right? And so... The only reason why I'm here 
is because I believe that in the message of Jesus, and I'm compelled by love. Compelled by love. Because I truly believe that Jesus is due the reward of his suffering. And I truly believe that Jesus is worth me being a little bit uncomfortable, being a little bit afraid, being a little bit like, I don't know what I'm going to say to this church. I don't know why they invite me in here. Right? But at the end of the day, what is God calling you to? Despite your insecurities, despite your personality, you know, Moses, look at Moses, bro. Moses was, Moses was legit, honestly. I think about his life as crazy. The Bible says he's the most humble man, like, ever. Who also wrote that? Moses. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so funny. But all I'm saying is that God wants to use you in your life. Amen? So can we just bow our heads real quick? Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So this first thing, this would be so wrong if I didn't do an altar call. And so I don't know what's going to happen, but I want you to know God is here. Jesus died on the cross, not so that you can live in Christianity and live in some religion and just go to church and not only all these different things, but he died for you to have a personal relationship with him. He died so that you can actually talk to God and come to him. He came to this earth to relieve you from all of your sin, pay for all your sin, so that you can come before God and say, the reason why I can go to heaven is not only because I believe in that man, but he knows me. He knows me. Many will come in my name, professing, I did this, I did this, I did this. And I would say, depart from me. I never knew you. The cross invites you into knowing God in that way. So if you do not know God in that way, in that relationship, I want you to raise your hand. I count of three. One, two, three. Boom. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody saved. Woo. Okay, look back up here. I just felt like I should do it, just in case. Uh, okay, this is the next thing. We have this simple thing. Everybody say four R's. Okay, I'm going to teach you this simple thing. It's just a tool. Don't make it weird. <laughs> okay, and so Bible says repent and you shall be forgiven, right? And so something we love to do in circuit riders, and this tool that we found really helpful in freedom, is um, we have this thing called the four R's. It's called repent. Everybody say repent. Receive. Rebuke. Replace. And so I'll give you the background for this. Repent, obviously repenting for our sins, acknowledging that we did something wrong towards God and we're turning from it. Receive is so we don't stay in a posture of just repenting all the time. How many of you guys have been around that one guy that's like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry. And God's like, bro, like, you're good. And he's like, no, I'm sorry. And he's like, God is saying you're good, like he forgave you. And it's like we have to receive that he actually, that's what the cross did, paid for us, amen? And so number three is rebuke, rebuking the enemy's lies and saying this isn't, hopefully this is okay, I don't know what's going on. Okay, this isn't okay, like this, the lies that you're saying over my life, I rebuke the enemy's lies over my identity, I rebuke the enemy's lies in this church, I rebuke the enemy, I rebuke the enemy, but as Christians, I don't know if this relates to you or not. I heard a lot of, in the name of Jesus, I bind, I bind, I bind, I bind, I bind. And like, it's just like two seconds, like, okay, and God replace it, like, I loose. It's like one loose and like 10 binds. I'm like, okay, like, what are you saying? And you know, the Bible says, you cast out a demon, comes back seven times stronger, right? And so we actually don't replace what we actually cast it out. Amen. And so I'm not talking about, like, crazy deliverance right now. I'm not talking, like, holiness movement type beat. What I'm talking about is actually saying, like, the enemy speaking lies to you in your life, but have you actually replaced that with the truth in your heart? If the enemy is saying, like, God doesn't love you, what? John 3.16, easy. God still love the world. Am I in the world? Yes. Does God love me? Yes. Okay. That's gone. But you're actually, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, 
But also 2 Timothy also says, all scriptures God breathed useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so you're replacing all the lies with the truth that's stored in the word of God over your identity. Amen? And so, okay, we're going to test this out. I didn't know I was doing this, but we're going to try this out. So stand up real quick. Hallelujah. And then after this, I hand it past Travis. We'll head out of here. Okay. So I want you to close your eyes real quick. And I want you to ask God to bring to your mind one area that you've been believing the enemy's lies in in your life. Maybe it's been like um, God's been, you know that God's been telling you to do something and you know, you know, you know, you don't want to do it. And you're just like, I'm not qualified. I'm not this. I'm not that. Maybe it's some insecurity that you believe about yourself and about how you look, your personality. Everybody good? Okay. So I want you to turn to your neighbor. Find that neighbor you're with. Guys with guys, girls with girls, don't make it weird. Unless you're married, you're good. Married couples, you can do that. Hallelujah. Come on, covenant. Um, but basically, we're just going to practice this. Hey, can you go back? Um, we're going to practice this, and basically we're going to apply this. And so basically four hours. So number one, that thing that you know, I want you just to repent for believing that lie. Because if we're not agreeing with God, then who are we agreeing with? The enemy. And so I want you to repent for believing that lie that you agreed with in your life. So we're just going to do that real quick. Just repent for believing that lie. It could be super quick. To your neighbor, with your neighbor. Yeah. And share it with each other. Okay, the next thing. Everybody say receive. All right. Now, basically, you're going to pray this with me, okay? God, I receive your forgiveness for believing that lie over my life. Okay, now we're going to move on to number three. We're going to, everybody say rebuke. So all my charismatics, you can go crazy on this one, okay? So we're going to rebuke the lies of the enemy over our lives. So just say, I bind the lie of the enemy that he said this and this. It's not true. Like, break agreement with that lie over your life. So let's do it. Okay. Everybody say number four. Replace. So whatever the opposite spirit of that lie is, then saying replace, God, I replace it with the truth. So if it's lies that you are a depressing person and that you're just sad all the time, obviously that's not the truth that God has for you. The truth is that you're called to walk in joy. You're called to walk in peace. And so replace those lies with the truth of who God says you truly are through Scripture. Amen? So let's do that real quick. Just replace it with the truth. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Okay, last thing, I just want to pray with you guys. It's a dangerous prayer if you're willing to pray it. There's no going back. You might feel convicted all the time. Okay. Basically, I just want to pray a prayer, just a quick repeat after me. And the whole thing is just inviting God to show us areas where we need to walk in greater freedom where we actually need to let go of lies over our lives and actually step into the truth that God has for us. Is that okay? And then we'll get out of here. All right. All right. So in Jesus' name, I repent for believing the lies of, well, I forgot what I was going to say. Shoot. Whoa, that was crazy. I repent. I, I rebuke the lies of the enemy that's trying to attack me now. So I repent for believing the lies that the enemy's been speaking over my life. They are lies. So God, I receive your forgiveness. And I rebuke those lies because they are dumb and totally lies. And I replace it with the truth 
that you will speak to me. You will show me who I really am. So God, I ask for you to show me areas of my life that I need deeper freedom in. And show me how to walk it out. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. Hallelujah. Everybody give a shout to Jesus tonight. Woo. Amen. So we love you guys. That's really all I have. Pastor Travis, Sir Travis, you take us away, close us out. I am... uh personally, deeply, and genuinely grateful um, for Ethan and this whole crew. Uh, I highly respect who they are in God. And um, I believe we weren't just blessed and encouraged, although those are elements, but I believe um, we received something tangible from God um, as a group and um, individually. So I thank God uh, in, in the assembly, in the presence of his saints. I thank God for giving us the circuit riders. Um, as we close, if uh, a couple people besides this crew um, can help tear down as usual. And then uh, Uncle Tim, I'm going to close up shop. So you're free to go. Um, you guys are, are dismissed. If uh, you have anything in your heart, in mind, um, for this crew, please share it with them uh, before you leave. Um, here in a little bit, I, I want to just um, encourage you guys personally, but I want to give you guys an opportunity first to speak to them. Then if you're starting to take too long, I'm going I'm to say stop because i got to say something to them. Okay? Um, Love you guys, and um, thank you for helping receive um, these beautiful children of God. We'll see you next week, same time, 4 p.m. for prayer, 5 p.m. for the meeting. All right, have a good night.